You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you? Yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. All right, you may recognize him as the hunky husband on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, or maybe as the star of Netflix's Bind Beverly Hills. Please welcome the author of The Dealmaker, How to Succeed in Business and Life Through Dedication, Determination, and Disruption, Mr. Mauricio Umansky. Hey, how are you? It's so good to be here with you, Zach. I appreciate it tremendously. I have already started diving into the book and I'm already loving it. I have my post-it notes, my highlighter. There are so many good tips and tricks, um, which is exciting for me because I I love anything self-improvement, self-development. And I love that there's a mix of like family, relationship and business in The Dealmaker. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. And it's, uh, I'm so excited to have it out there. It's uh you know, it's stressful when you're putting it out there and your people are starting to read it because you just don't know. Right. Like, are, are people going to love it? Are people going to hate it? Um, it's uh, I think it's some really fun, entertaining stories. Um, and, and then it's a lot of life lessons and insights, you know, as uh, for me, my experiences. Right. So, you know, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to write a how to book. I didn't want to write, you know, the five steps to success, you know, the three steps of being the best salesperson on the planet. Like I wanted to write memoirs, experiences, uh, tell my stories, tell you what happened in my stories, you know, and what, what I learned. And then I hope that that, you know, finds you, you know, find something that touches you and your story uh, through your own experiences. And how does that make you better? And how do you end up, you know, uh, learning something from that and taking something away? And it's good because every chapter has like a, a good anecdote and like a tangible takeaway and like a series of bullets that you can kind of like take away, like the lessons from each chapter and each experience. The mantras, right? At the end, yeah. at the end, you know, my Mauricio's mantras, um, I think they're so important. And it's just, you know, again, it's my little tidbits and my little lessons that I that I've learned uh, through some really great, you know, stories and some really fun and entertaining people in the world. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's an exciting thing, you know, for people to 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 read um, and and have fun. Who would you say were some of your mentors getting you to this place that you're at now with this mega successful the agency, you know, gorgeous wife, beautiful family, you know, gorgeous homes all around the globe? Like, you know, who did uh, you go to to you know channel? Whose mantras were you taking in on the way up? You know. A lot of them. And uh, a lot of it is, you know, uh, through reading, uh, you know, whether it's Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, one of the greatest generals on earth, right? And learning not only from everything he did great, but everything he did bad, you know, to, 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 um, to the mistakes, right? Um, to some of my, you know, my father, my grandfather, my mother, my wife, Kyle, uh, all of these living people that I live with on a daily basis, they're all my mentors. They've all been successful. They've all helped me through a lot of different things, 
Um, but in business, you know, there's been, you know, a bunch of people that I've called on. And I think one of the most important things that you need to know in business is um, to be able to listen um, and to pay attention because we all need to slow down. A lot of us and a lot of people, the biggest mistake I see is that they're running, they're talking, they're just, you know, they're not, they're not stopping and slowing down and listening um, to what's happening around the world. It's called reading the room, right? And it's understanding, it's analyzing fast. Um, but people like George Santo Pietro, Mauricio Oberfeld, um, all kind, you know, my, uh, all, all these type of people are, are, are have all been super influential, and I've called up on them. Alec Gore has taught me a little something. Um, you know, the, uh, just just I, I've learned from so many different people, and 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 just one little thing, you know, one little simple thing after the next. So I feel like we're in this like hustle culture, right? Where it's like, go, 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 do, 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 sometimes bite off more than you can chew. What would you, what advice would you give to maybe somebody that's like a bit of a younger entrepreneur that's striving for that life balance that maybe sees all these guys on Instagram that are sitting on private jets and private planes that are consulting or have these Bitcoin businesses, you know, and they're kind of selling you this lifestyle that you think that you can achieve, but the only way to do it is by go, go, go and take on, you know, sometimes more than you can chew. Well, we all fall, we all fall to that. Um, and, and, and it's the worst thing that we can do. We've got to look, I probably work uh, harder than anybody I know. I, I, I've always been the first one in the office. The last one's gone. Uh, and then when I get home after dinner, I go to work again. Okay. Um, but we have to have balance in our life. Uh, I talk about that in my book and we talk about, you know, what sacrifices you're making. Uh, Instagram, so aspirational and so much BS. Um, you know, uh, right now everybody's just out there and they're just giving you a little snippet of what, what you want them to hear or what you want somebody to see. The private airplane, the yacht, the, um, the filters on your skin, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and it just ends up being, you know, something kind of like a fairy tale that we're all chasing that doesn't even really exist. Um, and I think just, you know, understanding that there's a reality and then there's a sub reality. Instagram is a sub reality. It's a moment in time that we fix and we make it look like it's incredible and like everything's amazing and happy. Um, and, and, and don't chase that. You got to chase your dream. You got to chase your, your, what, what you want. Yes, we have to work our asses off. Um, It doesn't come for free um, and it doesn't come without a lot of work. But but you got to have balance in your life. You have to have balance in your life. And that's one of the most important lessons that I teach in my uh, uh, or that I shouldn't say teach that I talk about in my book. And I think one thing that I really do love is the book focuses on not just focusing on um, the pursuit of profit, but pursuing passion. And when you pursue your passion, the profit and everything else naturally kind of comes with that. And the hustle doesn't feel like hustle because you feel fulfilled by that. That is, you, you, you nailed it, man. I'm so happy, Zach, that you, you, you've taken that away. It's, uh, I always say the money um is, is is the trophy of the reward of the passion right like if we're out there playing you know a game um in little league super bowl whatever it is you know like you win you know you bring up the trophy and you hold up the trophy that's your win right um in in in, in business the win is money right yeah. that is the trophy that is the success but that's not the reason why you do it you do it for the passion of it um and if you're passionate about something it's all easy it's not work it's not you know a sacrifice it's fun and you're doing it on a day-to-day basis easy to wake up easy to go to sleep you know life just becomes a lot simpler and a lot you know more fulfilling if you're passionate about what you do 
And you also talk a lot about like the values that your family instilled in you growing up. What do you think were the most valuable lessons that they taught you about business and about life? Well, there's so many, right? And I talk about the value of the dollar, right? Which to me is the value of the cent that my father taught me. And, you know, growing up uh, selling, you know, uh, peace goods, um, you know, where, where every cent matters, you know, and I would come back, you know, with a with an order for 97 cents and my father would say, well, make it 99 cents. And I'm like, dad, it's two fucking cents. Like, don't make me go work for this thing, you know. Um, but that that to me, that value of the cent and the reason that's so important is because I also take that to the value of time. Mm-hmm. Money buys time. Right. And so there's 60, you know, 60 seconds in a, in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. Um, and, 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 and all of those minutes are, are, are valuable and they're all worth something. And if you can make that time much more valuable and a much more minuscule, just like a cent, um, then your life becomes much more fulfilled and you actually end up accomplishing a lot more, uh, in an hour, in a day, in a week, in a month. So how do you manage your time, you know, given that you do have so many things that you're balancing, you also want to make time for for family and for the kids and for fun as well. That's a big lesson in the book is, is finding that balance. How do you divide up? Like, what does your division of a day look like? Yeah, that's super hard. And every day can be completely different, you know, but um, I, to me, unfortunately, while I was building the agency and while I was doing all of this stuff, um, you know, what I did is, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice something. You can't fit everything in. And, and you have to understand that, too, that, like, you know, you cannot do everything. Right. And so for me, I chose to unfortunately sacrifice my friends. Mm. Um, and when I say that, I mean, I'm still friends with them. But, you know, I missed lots of lunches. I missed yeah. lots of dinners. I missed lots of trips. Right. Like and, and but I did not sacrifice the family, the kids, the wife, uh, all of that stuff. So I made a choice. And in and, and life. Life is about choices. And that's what this book's about is that you cannot have everything. You actually have to make choices sometimes um, and and, and, and go forward. So, you know, balancing today to me, what does my day look like? It's complicated, but I can tell you that it's all about balancing is about your mindset and balancing your mindset. You know, so I definitely talk about um, meditation, affirmations, um, you know, in order to have a balanced mindset, because if you can have a balanced mindset, you can have a balanced life and make smart decisions to make sure that you do things, you know, right. And sometimes it's like a two minute meditation on an Uber ride from one meeting to the next. Like it doesn't have to be these big overarching things. Cause I also feel like we're in this culture of like, we want success, but we also want this self care where we want to be able to take a bath for an hour every single night and have a ritual before. <laughs> bed. But it's like, but sometimes you have to make sacrifices in order to get to the point where you have the time luxury of being able to take advantage of stuff like that. Zach, I love you, man. And I, I love the way you see life. And uh, I, I'm so excited. But you are 100% correct. We, 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 we trick ourselves, right? Yeah. And we're all running around. It does not have to be so long. We, we don't have time for an hour and a half bath every single night. Um, sometimes we do and we need it. But yeah. sometimes we don't, right? And sometimes you just need to go into a little corner and have a two-minute you know, breathing session. Um, put yourself back together and go do it. So I also feel like we have people like Gary Vee that are putting out this message of like, you have yeah. time. There's all this time that you have. If you start a business at 20 or you start a business at 40, you still have time. But then we have other entrepreneurs who are like, you don't have time. You have to act now, act fast, go, go, go. Which lane do you feel like you fall into more? A little bit of both. Um, you know, I believe that you got to get things done. You know, I believe I, I live by a 
pretty simple philosophy, which again is in my book. And it's, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte used to say to his staff when he would get ready for battle, he would say, dress me slow because I'm in a hurry, right? What that means is take your time, you know, to get things done, um, uh, analyze things slowly, right? Then I live by another Kabbalistic philosophy, which is certainty versus doubt. Once I've made a decision, have 100% certainty and go full in. Have no doubts. Don't be going back and forth. And so that's kind of the mixture of like, no time and time, right? Like get things done now, but take your time on the back end to make sure you make the right decision and you, you, you feel good about that. And what happens when you trust your gut instinct and you make what you think is the right decision and you make a definitive decision and then it comes back to blow up in your face and it ended up being the yeah. wrong decision in the long term? <laughs> we are all going to make mistakes. Uh, that is so important. We're all going to make mistakes. Um, uh, recognize them, pivot but you went full forward um, and that's okay. I'm not saying mistakes are good or mistakes are bad, but I can tell you, you want people to have opinions. You want to take risks. You want to take, you want to make mistakes. I can tell you that, you know, sports, you learn how to ski. You're going down a mountain. If you don't fall, you're not trying hard enough. If you fall, you've made a mistake. You're going to stand back up. You're going to get back on the skis and you're going to ski again. Same thing with life. Same thing with business. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, you're, you're going to make mistakes, but that doesn't mean you can't have certainty in, in, in doing that. If you have doubt, you'll never even get to the mistake. You'll just continue. You'll always go forward and backwards and forwards and backwards and live in this in this moment where you're not accomplishing anything. You're actually just stuck in this in this vicious circle of doing nothing. And that's the, that's the one place that we can't live in. We got to push it forward and keep it going. It doesn't matter whether you make a mistake or not. Yeah, because I think if you second guess yourself too much, you hinder yourself from being able to even lean in and learn from the lesson of making a mistake. There can't be a fear of making mistakes because I think that's where you learn the most rather than making the successes. And the next time you're faced with the decision, you're going to go back on that uh, on that experience, on that mistake, and you're going to make a new decision. And hopefully the next time is not going to be a mistake, but it's going to be something that uh, is super rewarding, super fulfilling, amazing, uh, you know, all incredible things. But in order to get that to that decision, you've got to make, be, be willing to make a mistake before. What do you think was the most challenging part of writing this book? Reflecting, um, you know, it was very emotional, reflecting, learning, um, um, reanalyzing, uh, you know, these are stories and, and notes that I've been keeping forever, um, you know, so going through them all, telling the story. Um, and again, I didn't want it to be in a situation where I was telling somebody what to do, but rather like, here's, you know, what happened to me, here's what I learned, a door closed, another door opened. Um, something bad. And, and by the way, that's what the book's about is all these mistakes. And it's not necessarily mistakes. It's just, it's obstacles. You had one obstacle, boom, a new obstacle, you know, uh, something new happened, something better happened because of an obstacle that happened. Um, and, 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 and that was really hard. Um, just, just going through all of that stuff, um, reflecting, remembering some of the stories, you know, with Kyle, um, you know, when we were clipping coupons and didn't have a penny, <laughs> Um, you know, she would go to the supermarket and, you know, we lived in, in, in Beverly Hills in an apartment that we were leasing. Um, and, and, and she would, uh, uh, you know, go to the supermarket far away so that her friends wouldn't see her, uh, you know, paying with, you know, with coupons. So, um, she's just fucking awesome, man. I love that woman. Do you feel like in those moments there was like a bit of manifestation or was it more determination or maybe a combo of the two? Zach, it's a combo of both. You need the manifestation and, 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 and you need the determination and then you need the motivation mm. um, to get everything accomplished.
Because most people just want to, you know, put a crystal under the moon and manifest it and then not and then wait for it to kind of just come to them. I, I wanted to do that, too, but that <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> Listen, you're doing something right. <laughs> so you also open up in the book about uh, working for Hilton and Highland, which is your brother-in-law, uh, Rick Hilton's real estate firm. Was there any hesitation going there in the book? Yeah, there was, because I want to make sure that, that you know, I, I think Hilton and Highland, the firm, I think the world of them, they gave me my opening and an opportunity. Um, I did not want that story to feel like it was a, a gossip story or something yeah. up against Rick. There was strictly what that story is. And the reason was so important to tell is that if if something doesn't happen, if a circumstance, sometimes you need something to happen in your life in order to be willing to take the risk to take the next step. And if, if that didn't happen uh, with Rick and I, and if that didn't happen with Hilton and Highland, I would have just been at Hilton and Highland. I would not have taken that next entrepreneurial step. I would not have taken that. So it was that occurrence that needed to happen in my life, yeah. um, you know, that gave me the, 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 the motivation and the courage, um, you know, to, to, to leave and to open up the agency and to do, you know, what I'm doing right now. So, um, again, that's meant to just be like a, a story about um, circumstances create circumstances. Mm. Um, and uh, and that's why it had to be told, because it was just so important to be told. Yeah, because I feel like the impression in the media is that it was like a nasty, bitter falling out and you stole clients and became competition. But, you know, in the book, the I read it as like you didn't feel like you were being valued at the company and also had bigger aspirations for yourself. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that is the bottom line. I did not feel valued. I had aspirations. I wanted to create something. I wanted to create it for Hilton and Highland. Yeah. Um, but uh, ultimately, you know, we didn't see eye to eye on that. Um, and it was that obstacle and that door that closed that allowed me to have the courage to move forward and, you know, ultimately to do something, you know, that I'm glad happened. Yeah. Uh, and I don't look at it. I don't look back and think like, ah, oh, you know, shit. I look back and say, thank you. <laughs> which is good because i mean it, it it propelled you forward rather than you know standing back but that's also a scary jump a scary leap to make when there is the security of staying at a firm that like you at least already know what to expect and you already know that there's a guaranteed job and a guaranteed position rather than building something new for yourself that's a scary thing because that can easily blow up in your face it can easily blow up in your face. And if you don't get into that uncomfortable zone, you're never going to do something incredible. I mean, I can tell you that I have not had many sleepless nights in my life. But during that time that we were building this and starting this company and getting everything going, we had a lot of sleepless nights, a lot. Um, and uh, it was extremely stressful and it was uncomfortable. And there were days where, you know, we weren't sure we had enough money to, you know, to continue. Um, you know, we never took on debt. And um, we, we just made it happen. Right. And uh, failure was just not an option. Um, and sometimes you need to put yourself in a situation where failure is not an option um, and you have to you know, force it to be successful. But yet you got to get uncomfortable in life yeah. uh, in order to do something great. I feel like there's always this, uh, or at least, you know, growing up in high school and going into college, there's always this like, have a fallback plan, have a plan B. But I feel like, at least for me, and this is my own experience, but I feel like without plan B, you have no other choice but to make plan A happen. Because if you have a fallback <laughs> plan, then you you're you can easily dip out and be like, well, I have this other thing that's kind of on the back burner. You and I need to collaborate on our next <laughs> book. Um, we see things eye to eye, and it's so true. I, I didn't have a plan B. There was no plan B. 
plan A was the only plan out there and there was no choice but to make plan A work because there was no plan B. <laughs> so how do you continue to channel some of those mantras even when the shitstorm hits and it's strong and you feel like, I don't know when this is going to pass. I don't know when the coupon clipping is going to end. I don't know when I'm not going to you know, feel this anxiety of fear over money or fear over success or you know, whatever that may be. Yeah, I think that's just a day to day. You know, you you cope with it. You go to work. You kick some ass. You got to be competitive. You got to be fearless. Um, you got to conquer those things because we all have fear. We all have, uh, yeah. But it's a question of how do we conquer that, right? Like when I say fearless, I um, I don't mean like oh I wake up fearless. Like no, I wake up with fear. Um, but I got to conquer that fear every single morning, every single day. Uh, in order to be fearless and in order to go accomplish something extraordinary. Um, but that, but those are the challenges that keep us going, Zach. And, uh, um, and, 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 and that is what life's all about. And I think that that's what this book is all about is that, that that is what life's all about. Um, that there's a lot of different challenges. Uh, it's not easy. Um, you know, you, you're going to have doors closed. You got to go reopen them. You're going to get fired from a job. You got to go find the next thing. You're going to like all of these things happen. Um, and it is part of life. Um, and that's what we need to do is just continue to move forward. And when it comes to actually making a deal, whether it's a real estate deal closing or just a, a general deal in life or an agreement with somebody, how do you know when it's time to lean in and how do you know when it's time to fold when maybe, you know, it, it may feel like there's a bit of some compromising that you have to do. So a lot of that goes back to, you know, again, you know, taking it slow, right? allowing things to sink in, doing your due diligence, making sure it feels good. Not only does it look good, but it feels good. Allow hire people to make sure that, you know, you need to do, do good due diligence, you know, because, you know, know what your limitations are. Right. But, um, and then a lot of that is just being able to read the room, being able to read the person, um, being open-minded, being, you know, uh, completely transparent. You know, I, I find myself to be a very transparent person. Um, and the reason I'm super transparent to people is because I want to see the reactions as, as to, you know, to, as to my transparency. And from there, I usually start seeing their transparency or lack of it. And, and, and both of those give me a lot, right? Because if, I, if I'm super open and super transparent and I get nothing back, that means that, you know, it's a person that I know I already know what I'm going to get, right? I'm going to get not, not, I'm going to get not much. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you can learn as much from what people say as much as from what people don't say or don't do. And it's just a question of being open to that. Uh, again, it's what I call reading the room and analyzing to understanding what you're getting from somebody. Yeah, because even if they give you some words, their reaction, their behavior, that's always going to give you a different picture. And sometimes we like to trust the word rather than analyzing the scope. You, 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 yeah, 100%. And, and, and you don't need to trust every single word. <laughs> Do you feel like you and Rick have been, a, or you and uh, Hilton and Highland have been able to kind of, you know, smooth things over? Is that water under the bridge? Rick and I point? have been on a good uh, time for, for a long, long time. Obviously, we've seen some of the issues. You know, everybody's aware of some of the issues that Kyle's had with Kathy um, and, you know, vice versa. I, you know, they're sisters. I hope they get over it. I'm going to be supportive of my wife no matter what. Um, you know, till death do us part. Um, and, um, and, and she's going to be right in my eyes, no matter what. Um, but Rick and I have been good now for many, many years. Um, you know, I hope that when he reads this, he sees this as just a story. It doesn't make things, doesn't get things bad. Um, it's just a story and a circumstance and there's no, there's no harm in, in, in anything I've said, uh, I hope, um, uh, rather than just, you know, being part of reality. 
has been on reality television or kind of just opening up your family's lives with Real Houses of Beverly Hills, has that become more challenging for your marriage? Or do you think, if anything, it's made you and Kyle stronger? It's both. I mean, it's definitely both. You know, this year has been a bit tougher on us. Um, just, a, just, just a lot of shit, a lot of noise. Um, you know, a lot of noise creates problems, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to get strong and, and get through it. Um, and, um, but, but, um, being on reality television is hard, man, 27 years married, you know, 13 years on reality television. Um, it's, it's a lot. Um, it's, it's a lot and it's, um, and it's challenging, you know, but, um, I, you know, I think that, uh, um, you can also, you can also end up a lot stronger because of all of the things that you deal with. Right. And all of the different bullshit. And, um, and so you, it, it can make people a lot stronger than, than, and, 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 and be able to survive a lot more things. And you and Kyle definitely seem to be ride or die for each other. What do you think is the key to finding that partner? That's really going to stick it through to the end. Well, she and I have been through so much together. Uh, we met, you know, we, we met young, we married young. She already had a daughter, my stepdaughter, Farah, who I consider mine, you know, all a hundred percent. Um, I have four kids. We've built an entire life together. Um, you know, we've, we've been poor together. We've been wealthy together. We've gone through experiences together. You know, we've watched so many different things happen, you know, um, and, and, and so many life experiences together. Um, that it's just, um, it, it, you know, I, it, it's been great. I mean, it's it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, even now, there are still the rumors. <laughs> Kyle's not wearing her ring at the gym. So you guys are, you I guys mean, are in a good place. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, she shouldn't be wearing her ring at the gym. <laughs> if she was, she'd be fucking it up. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like... <laughs> So what would, what would you say is is the key to, you know, keeping a marriage successful and keeping it going after 27 um, years together? Yeah, I think uh, respecting each other is super important. Uh, making each other laugh um, is really important. Um, time and balance, um, you know, not letting ego get in the way. Mm. Um, you know, and, you know, from my perspective, it's, you know, Happy wife, happy life, happy wife, man. <laughs> Do you, no, you got look, you got to be respectful to me. At the end of the yeah. day, you got to respect each other. You got to respect each other's opinions and also know that, you know, throughout through 27 years, you're, you're also going to change, yeah. right? Like, uh, and, and we, and, you know, do we change together? Do we change separately? I mean, people change. Um, and I think that that's kind of a critical piece. Do you think that the fame of reality TV helped the success of the agency? Or do you think, if anything, it was more of a challenge because of the stigma of being in the reality TV genre? I think it's been a little bit of both. I think all, all in all, it definitely has helped, but it definitely has, you know, its challenges as well on being on reality TV and, and, and the agency. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, before we ever got onto television, I was, you know, I was, I think, the number seven agent in the country, number one in the country. Um, you know, so I was one of the, you know, successful agents, you know, before ever being on television. Um, and, um, and I think that the agency would have been successful with or without the show. Um, I think the show has helped us uh, gain notoriety. It's been great for marketing. It's been great for a lot of different things. And I think it's been hurtful on, on a couple of things. I think all in all, I would give it a super positive uh, note and that it's been, you know, uh, helpful in, 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 in um, it, it's been helpful more than hurtful for sure. 
I mean, you've, you've always ranked really high in real estate, but I feel like in, in Real Housewives world, you always rank like in the top two of the hunkiest husbands. How does that accomplishment feel? Well, I think that's just lucky. That's just born with good genes. And I don't know if that's an accomplishment, but uh, I, I'll accept it. I love it. And uh, no problem. I'm sure Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle's proud of it, I'm sure. Um, congrats. I saw Buying Beverly Hills just got picked up for a second season on Netflix. What can we expect from another season? Are there going to be some shakeups in the mix? So we're very excited about season two. We're just getting started. I'm sure there'll be some shakeups. You'll steal a lot of great real estate porn, some amazing houses, a lot of great deals. A lot of, you know, I think we'll have an opportunity to dig deeper into the relationships of everybody and into the, into like, you know, a little, a little deeper relationship wise, you know, season one, I think it was like, you know, the audience was getting to know all of the characters and all of the people, you know, now it's like, we know you, we know us, right. You, you know, what's going on with me and my kids, you know, they work for me. Um, you've now seen me in a different note than you've seen me before. Um, so now I think that season two will allow us to get deeper, to dig deeper into relationships. Um, and, 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 and I think that should be a lot of fun. Is it hard and, and exciting? Is it hard putting your daughters out on camera? I mean, obviously they're adults, but I mean, I would imagine heat that comes from the public can be challenging. And how do you help them through that being that you and Kyle have done it for so long? Yeah, I think it's, look, we've talked about it. We've been open about it at, at the house. I mean, my kids, uh, my God, Portia was one year. I think she had her one-year-old birthday when, 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 when the cameras were on her. You know, she's now 15 years old. So I think they're accustomed to it. I think they've got some thick skin. Um, and um, it's, it's again, it's all about just being open and transparent and talking to them. I go back to all of that stuff. And they've seen, you know, the stuff that Kyle and I have gone through. They've seen the stuff that Kyle's gone through um, on her own with the different housewives and all of that stuff. So uh, I think that they've learned from a lot of experiences. They have a really strong mom. Um, that's super experienced um, and they can definitely lean on her uh, to learn a lot. What about the whole Nepo baby argument? Because a lot of people are like, oh, he just gave his daughter's jobs at the agency. Do you feel like it's an unfair, you know, take on the hard work that they put into the real estate? Yeah, look, the nepotism, I think, can go both ways, right? Um, and I, I, do they, you know, first of all, relationships give you opportunities, whether it's your father or your son or your grandfather or your best friends, you know, whatever, right? Like business opportunities are created based on relationships. Yep. Okay. So this is nepotism is a relationship they have. Now what they do with it, they, that, you know, what the nepotism does, it, it opens up an opportunity. What they do with it, are they successful? Do they make things happen? That's on their own. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then a lot of times that whole Nepo thing is also a little bit difficult because, you know, I make it even harder for them. Like mm. I, I, I actually don't give them a referral and I give it to somebody else on purpose because I want to prove a point to make prove to everybody that, that, that I'm not playing favorites. Right. Mm. So now instead of them getting equal uh, share, they actually get negative share because I'm sitting here trying to prove a point that they're not getting anything. Um, and they actually get kind of screwed. But at the end of the day, all I can do is open up an opportunity for them, whether they go through that door, whether they're successful or they're not successful, or whether they make something out of it, or they make nothing out of it is 100% up to them as individuals. Yeah. And relationships really are the foundation of any business. Is it, it doesn't matter whether it's a friend or even somebody that you are, when you're meeting a boss to apply for a job, it's about building that relationship to build that connection because then they're going to trust you a little bit more if they feel connected to you. And then they're going to hire you. 
And that's just life. Uh, that's just life. I mean, I can't tell you how many emails I get from friends saying, hey, can you do an internship for my friend? Hey, can you do a, uh, you know, can you give my son or my daughter this? Hey, can you make an introduction? Like, that's how we get into country clubs. That's how that yeah. is life. Networking. Okay, so. <laughs> the power of networking. People need to d- stop complaining on Twitter and network a little more. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you, what do you hope people take away from this book? It's on sale now. Um, people can go on Amazon. They can head to their local bookstore, get a copy of it. But what do you hope they take away from it at the end? Uh, just a couple of insights, a couple of life lessons that they learn from the, for themselves. Um, you know, how to have balance, how to be a better person, you know, how to be more efficient, um, think a little bit differently. If, they, if I can just, you know, help you think a little differently, a little better. Um, look at life, you know, uh, through a happier lens. Um, I, you know, I'll be thrilled. I mean, I can tell you, I'm an extraordinarily optimistic human being. I'm a super happy man. Um, and you know, the stories that I tell here and the way I look at life are, 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 are the, are the, um, the traits and the philosophies that make me be that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could just change a couple of lives, help a couple of people be a little happier, a little more efficient, a little more motivated, a little more competitive, a little less fearful, uh, any of those things, mission successful. There we go. The Dealmaker, how to succeed in business and life through dedication, determination, and disruption on sale now. Mauricio Umansky, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Have a good one. You got a new fan, Zach. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>